This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Hi, I'm Chris Judd and this is Talk Your Book and today we're joined by John Forward of Lowell Resources Fund. John, thanks very much for coming back on the show. Chris, thanks for the opportunity to talk my book again. Thank you. Now, uh, now what stock did you want to get into today? Yeah, it's an ASX-listed stock called Blue Star Helium, which we've been invested in for a number of years. And so if we just get the graph up, up on the screen, you can see it's had a, um, got some research coverage, it looks like, in September, October 21, around 12 months ago, raised some capital at 5.6 cents. And to me, it looks like a lot of the sort of explorer slash developer resource stocks that I'm in, where it's just sort of been forming a bit of a base after a downtrend and, and trending sideways for an extended period of time. Uh, I know you're not a big technical analysis man yourself, and, and neither am I in fairness, so we might jump straight into the fundamentals. What's the, the helicopter view of, of BNL? Yeah, look, going back to when we first invested, um, you know, a bunch of oil and gas gurus, you know, very strong technically with a lot of experience in the US. Um, identified this helium field, um, which has been producing helium for a long time in the US, mainly in, under, the, under government ownership. Um, and they identified that on the flanks of this field, there was some really good helium showings, um, but didn't have a lot of data. And in, in particular, um, they didn't have seismic, which is almost your most important tool when it comes to drilling for, for, for gas. Um, and they didn't have seismic because the helium field is trapped by something called an evaporite, which is you know, a carbonate, carbonate sequence, and the seismic can't penetrate through that. So you can't see what the structure's like. So they're doing mapping on surface, but they really didn't know what was there. There was a few old wells with um, you know, some high-grade helium reported out of them. But um, look, there was, uh, there was a risk there. So the risk was getting the permits to drill and then drilling in the right spot. Um, and, um, okay, we thought, yep, look, uh, those two risks are something we're prepared to live with, and we, we invested, and they've actually um, uh, mitigated those risks and, and successfully put them to bed um, over the last few years. So, um, look, you know, hats off to the company. They've done a fantastic job. And US-based assets, and in incredibly high grade. So for a, a real mining minnow, there are a couple of nice starting points. Yeah, indeed. So um, the model dome, which was the historical producer owned by the Bureau, Bureau of Land Management, I believe, in the US, um, had grades of north of north of eight, seven, eight percent um, out of a reservoir, which all the all the consultants and gurus describe as a beautiful reservoir. It's um, low pressure and high permeability, so you don't need you basically need less than the pressure of a bike tire um, to, to release that gas. Um, and it flows, it flows beautifully. So those grades, um, are, you know, comparable to say, the biggest producer in the world is Qatar, Qatar Gas. And they produce high helium as a co-product with their methane gas. Uh, and that their grades are about 0.7%. Um, and we're talking 8%, sometimes even higher than that in the, uh, some of the ground that Blue Star Helium's got. So it's 
what's that? That's an order of magnitude greater than um, you know, what most helium is produced at. So we might jump into the project specifics in a minute, but maybe it might be a good idea to start off with, with helium itself and what are the industrial properties that, that helium's used for? Yeah, so I don't know if people remember their periodic table from chemistry class at school, but um, you know, hydrogen, helium, lithium, brilliant. So helium is the second element on the periodic table, which means it's the second lightest element you know, that we know. Um, and that means it's really, um, volatile is not the right word, but it can really, it can escape really easily. You know, if you've got an average sort of a seal on a pipe, it'll find its way through it and disappear. It doesn't just go into the atmosphere, it, it's off into outer space. So once you've released it, uh, it it's gone. Um, uh, but those properties, some of those chemical properties or physical properties that it has are what makes it so special and unique. So everyone knows about helium in party balloons, but um, the biggest use is actually in making MRI, medical scanning, scanning machines, uh, which is obviously uh, a sector that's, that's growing, growing a lot. Then another sector that's growing greatly is semiconductors. It's used in the manufacture of semiconductors. And um, then rocketry. Um, and Elon Musk is shooting up rockets all the time. It's used to purge um, the engines and tanks for, for rockets. So um, while it's a fairly boutique commodity, it's actually um, got a huge number of really big growth, growth uh, end use sectors. And you mentioned Qatar before. Where does most of the uh, helium supply come from? Yeah, so Qatar is the biggest um, is the biggest uh, producer um, because it is, if not the biggest, one of the biggest um, gas producers. And as mentioned, has a very small quantity of helium that comes with its natural natural methane gas. Uh, then next is the US, and the US is the biggest off-taker. Um, uh, so they're um, coming in, in quite close behind. But it's interesting to see that the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, used to have a big stockpile of helium. And that disappeared in around 2019, 2020. Then there was a, a swap mechanism that the BLM were, were using. That's um, been taken off the market last year. So basically there's 15% of world uh, production disappeared in 2022. And as a result, we've seen the price. Um, some of the, it's not a, it's not a transparent market, but some of the prices reported have just um, uh, really skyrocketed. And ballpark, what sort of changes have we seen in the in the prices over the last twelve months for helium? Yeah, well, when we first got involved, we were, well, maybe even only 12, 18 months ago, we were talking about um, two hundred and fifty dollars US and MCF, and now we're modelling at least six hundred and fifty dollars and MCF. And some of the prices reported are in the thousands. Just the difference just depending size. on which geography you're selling into, is that? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so US being the biggest market, um, the uh, Blue Star guys in Colorado are really well placed geographically. Um, but also there's a difference in um, concentration. So if you go to something called five nines, which is a purity of 99.999%, you'll get $6,000 an MCF. If you have, um, say, 98% um, purity, then you'll probably get in the, at the moment, you'll probably get in the high, you know, high hundreds, you know, $600, $700 dollars in MCF, which is still, we'll talk about the operating costs soon, I suppose, but uh, it's still a fantastic margin if you, if you can get those prices. And you mentioned, so it's produced usually as a byproduct from, from natural gas, but the shale gas in the US doesn't produce 
any helium, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. So as we know, there's been a big shift in the US to produce um, gas, natural gas from, from shale gas, and that doesn't produce any, any helium. So um, while um, demand for methane natural gas is, is, um, is growing stronger and stronger and, and the issues around Ukraine and, and Russian gas, etc. Um, a lot of the new gas, shale gas, is not um, doesn't come with any helium. So that's another factor that's um, pushing the price up. And so maybe let's dig into Blue Star Helium's last Animus development plan and uh, and what that what that's saying more broadly. Yeah. So um, one of the things um, we really like about it is uh, it's low capex and um, the formation that the helium in, is in is actually very shallow, thousand uh, feet. So what's that? Three four hundred. 300 metres. Um, so to drill the wells um, to access that reservoir is uh, very cheap, relatively. You know, sometimes you know, for for natural gas, if you're if you're offshore in deep water, you know, in the Gulf of Mexico or something, it can be tens, if not hundreds, of millions of dollars to develop a field. Think about the Northwest Shelf; that's that's billions of dollars. These guys, you know, they can just drive up, um, do the agreement with the landholder poke down a, you know, they've got to use a gas, a proper gas rig with the blowout preventers, etc. But um, yeah, it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to drill these wells. And then hooking them up is um, to a gathering system and a processing system is also very low cost as well. So um, it's... Um, and when you're saying low cost, it, it, to put it in perspective, the numbers they're sort of putting out in their presentations are sort of 2.9 million bucks to turn on first production at the at the Voyager Discovery. So for a 50 yeah. million buck market cap company, it's it's very doable, isn't it? I mean, Absolutely. They've, they've got the cash in the bank now. They've got six odd million dollars in the bank, Aussie dollars in the bank. They could, they could do it with their cash in the bank. And they're talking about a timetable which would see first development uh, in the second half of this year and first production in the second half of this year. A lot of that will be off balance sheet. So the 2.9 is what's Blue Star is estimating they'll have to pay for drilling the wells, the initial wells and the gathering system. But um, they're talking to a contractor who will provide the gas separation plant to separate the helium from uh, the other gases. Um, and, and then you basically stick it in a tanker truck and drive it and um, yeah, off to the customer. And so you mentioned that, that midstream provider that would process the initial gas. How would that arrangement work um, in a, in a practical sense? And, and would that be a fixed fee or would it be a percentage of revenue or how do those sorts of arrangements usually work? Look, uh, you know, that's um, sort of, I guess, I, I, I don't know the details of those contracts, but as I understand, it's a, it's a fixed, you know, contract, contract fee. It's not a percentage of, of revenue. Um, and the co contractor they're talking to has got like a dozen of these plants available for, for lease. And they're just mobile plants that they mobile can pick up. Mobile plants, and, and as I understand, it's only a matter of, um, you know, days or weeks to install them. And I guess, you know, the, the contract would be a lease for periods of, of years. Um, we're looking at, uh, the company's looking at um, probably at least uh, you know 10 year field development in their initial Voyager, Voyager project. And Blue Star won't participate, it sounds like, in either downstream purification, get it up to that supremely um, yeah, yeah. high purity. It'll just be a case of trucking it out and driving it to, to the processing plants 100, 150K away. Initially, that's definitely the plan, but um, the, the capex to actually go to that um, uh, high, very high purity is not that great. It's in the tens of millions of dollars. So it's certainly within the reach of, of Blue Star, 
but uh, they want to walk before they can run. They want to produce, you know, um, you know, 98% helium before they go to that extra technical step. And so they mentioned the Prezo, the, the modular uh, processing facilities that they plan on using after their initial uh, Voyager discovery processing. They, they talk about them being 10 million bucks per module. Are, are those the sorts of modules that could produce the, the higher grade gas, or do they need something more expensive uh, yeah, sort than of, that? Yeah, indeed. So um, you can go to a liquefaction plant um, yeah, for that sort of order of magnitude, and that would produce that that high grade. We've seen um, one of their peer comp companies, which is listed in Canada, uh, called Desert Mountain Energy, just go into production uh, this in the last month or so, and they built their plant for ten odd million, ten odd million dollars. Interestingly, it was solar powered, and they're, they're classed as green. Helium. I can't keep up with hydrogen. There's about eight different colours, isn't there? There's green, there's yeah, black, yeah. there's... There's gold, there's <laughs> yeah, brown. I'm not sure how many colours of, of helium there are, but they're classed as green. I mean, does that, does that improve likelihood of getting the various environmental approvals you need? And it, is it classed very differently to, to fracking, which I know in the US is, is a very political issue? Yeah. So there's no fracking involved. Um, and, yeah, it is green because the co-gases... As, as mentioned, you know, most helium is produced in, in um, conjunction with, with methane, which is a, obviously a CO2 gener generating fossil fuel. Whereas the coal gases, at least on Voyager, the first project, is dominantly nitrogen. And that's just in the air we breathe. So once they split the helium from the nitrogen, they'll just vent the nitrogen and there's, there's no um, uh, carbon, carbon impact from that. There is a bit of uh, CO2 uh, produced as well, but on their second project, what they're talking about doing is, because there's more CO2 on that one, talking about selling, potentially selling that into the beverage industry. So if you drink a can of Coke, the, um, the carbonation in, you know, the, the water is carbonated with CO2. And that's actually, there's demand for that in the US. So it's another revenue stream that they potentially can. And would that be not overly material in terms of the revenue, but it would, in terms of greening up the project, a bit have some have some utility? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm, I'm not sure exactly, um, but it'd sort of be an order of magnitude less in terms of revenue. But yeah, certainly, um, instead of venting CO2, you'd like to find a home for it. And so you mentioned market cap around 50 million bucks. That's six million bucks or so in cash last quarter. But if they produce second half of this calendar year, they might be touch and go if they can last that long without a raising. In terms of EBIT, have you done any back of envelope numbers on, on what that phase one could deliver for the company? Yeah, so that $2.9 million of initial capex um, with um, ongoing capital, of say they drill one more well each year, because these, these wells, will, the production will decline about one third every year. So you've got to keep, keep drilling to access uh, more gas. Um, and, and using that $650 US and MCF price, we get um, uh, you know, EBITDA of somewhere in the order of 25 million US net to, net to Blue Star. Um, and yeah, obviously if you use higher prices, then um, you know, that, that can go up. That sounds, uh, sounds really interesting. So maybe before we let you go, maybe tell us a little bit more about Lowell and, um, and where people can find you if they want more information. Yeah, thanks Chris. So Lowell is um, a listed investment trust, trades on ASX under the code LRT. Uh, we've been around for 20 years, we've been listed for five, and we just focus on this sector, which is the junior um, exploration and development sector in commodities. And everything from precious metals, gold, right through to gas and, and helium. So 
um, yeah, we're looking for the for the ten baggers. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully. So are we, John. So are we. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, Chris. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Honan, who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest.